Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Three, two, one. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing. Nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it's so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right, welcome in to a Friday edition of the JP Peterson Show. I don't think I can call it a football Friday. I think I'd be doing a complete and total injustice if I went and called it a football Friday. Unfortunately, it's not. Still got about six weeks to go until we get to training camp, but we do have Rays baseball going on, the best team in the majors. Frankly, it's not close. Another win yesterday, a sweep over the Twins. We're going to get into that today. we got a lot of good discussions, but first and foremost... There's no JP today, unfortunately. He is playing in the, the Mike Evans Charity Golf Tournament. So he is away, but that's a great cause that he's going to be out there. Uh, and look forward to seeing some of the, the photos and the videos that he's going to have from there. So it uh, should be a fun day for him, but we're going to have some fun here as well. And I do want to welcome in my co-host for today. Now, we've been easing him in a little bit this week. You might have heard him a few times. This is We're calling him New Nick. He's basically he's the intern. Right. Yep. He's the. If you remember, I was Nicky Numbers. This is New Nick. Is his name? Uh, Nick Porcelli. Go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody. Give us a little back. Give the audience a little background on where you came from here. Well, like you said, hi. I'm Nick Porcelli. Um, to make it more confusing, uh, like Nick over here, I also go to UCF, as you can probably tell by my hat. Uh, back in May, I want to say, I reached out to JP. I knew who he was because, um, you know, I'm from Tampa, huge Lightning fan. We always see him, you know, doing the uh, intermission reports. And I was just like, hey, are you, you know, you interested in having anyone who helps you? Like, at UCF, I helped cover the athletics for a website called the Black and Gold Banneret. And, you know, sports are kind of down in college over the summer, so I need some someone else to do. Do you need help? He said yes. He came in, and here I am, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and we're excited to have you, and Nick's been taking kind of the reins on the social side of, of the show, but uh, with JP out today, I thought this was a great opportunity for you to cut your teeth in here, and, and we'll talk some sports. Like I said, we're going to get into the Rays. We're going to have a discussion about the Bucks, and not really on the field. It's more of a topical discussion, and a lot of people have been talking about this, of who should be the next Ring of Honor inductee. Last year, it was Bruce Arians. Who's it going to be this year? Could it be number 12? We're going to talk about that. We're going to see. We're going to throw some of the names out there who we think are deserving. Going to get into the Stanley Cup final from yesterday. The Panthers steal game three to make it a 2-1 series. Thank goodness for that. We did not want to see a quick series there. We got the NBA Finals coming back game four. And we're going to dive a little deeper as well into the whole Lionel Messi thing. We're going to, now that it's officially official, and that he has announced that he is going to enter Miami. That came from his mouth. We have that confirmed. Uh, we're going to dive into the impact and some of the crazy things that we've seen from that and how big this could be for American soccer in the future. But without further ado, we'll go with the Rays. Like I said yesterday, 4-2 uh, went over the Twins yesterday. And again, the Rays just do it completely different every single day. Uh, first three innings against Bailey Ober, who, by the way, a, a huge dude, as you saw, Nick. Six oh foot nine. God. Six foot nine. It doesn't make any sense. He's throwing only like 90, 91 at six foot nine. It really doesn't make much sense to me at all. Uh, but with the sh- they were doing a good job on the broadcast talking about it. With all this, the lean that he has, it really feels like it's almost like 96, 97 coming in as opposed to 90. And the Rays were pretty much fooled from that. But then 
But then, he had to wash his hands. Yep. He had to wash his hands after three innings where he had struck out, what, six guys in a row? It was six in a row, yeah. Six in a row, goes and washes his hands, comes back out, and completely has a meltdown. Mm-hmm. Completely has a meltdown. So, cheater? Are we calling him a cheater on a Friday? If he's a cheater, he's a failed cheater because it did not work. I, was, I mean, to me, that was an example, and they kind of brought this up on the broadcast, but this is an example of, like, you know, the whole f- phrase, it takes one swing of the bat. Well, in this case, it was two because it was literally one pitch, RBI triple by Luke Rayleigh. Next pitch, two-run home run to take the lead, and that's what won them the game. I mean, because, like, he had gotten two people out at that time, so it looked like, you know, he was just, you know, mowing us down again. We didn't have a hit yet. We were being no hit at that time. And then he just, you know, he meet, and then just like that, suddenly we're in the lead. And I just remember my move from going from like, really, we're going to lose like this to, oh, okay, we can win this game. Let's go. And that's what the Rays do. They're never out of it. And I know it was early at that moment in the fourth inning when this turned. But it just looked like one of those days where the offense was really going through it and it was going to be a little bit of a struggle bus, right? Right. right. And they were going to have to pitch their way out of it, which the pitching, by the way, again, spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, during this six-game winning streak. I believe they just allowed eight runs. That's it. So the pitching has really stepped up yeah. through some injuries. But uh, you mentioned it. It got going in the fourth inning with two outs, a rally. Uh, and it started with Luke Rayleigh, who seems to always get the big hit every single time he's up there. And here it was, another triple for the six foot four, 235-pounder. This guy can scoot. Here it was. Stops and it's shot up the right side. Back into the corner it goes. The throw to the plate, not in time, and all the way to third goes Rayleigh, and the Rays have tied this game at one. And Luke Rayleigh, we've been talking a lot about him lately. the impact that he's had. He's made it to where this team doesn't have to go out and get a, a left-handed big bopper anymore. Between him and Josh Lowe, uh, they've gotten it covered, and he's starting to get a lot more playing time. And good to see him rip one rip one down there on the line and get that run in to give the Rays a one nothing lead. Uh, and then, Nick, you mentioned that they followed it up. The very next pitch that was this quick, in a span of two pitches, we went from 1-0 to a 3-1 lead for the Rays. This was Harold Ramirez right here, his ninth Home run of the season. Terena. And here's Harold Ramirez driving one deep to center. Taylor back, and that one is gone. Home run. Harold Ramirez and the Rays with a sudden blast have grabbed the lead. Ninth home run of the season for Harold. That was 416 and 105.2 off the bat. He's been fantastic as well. And like so many of these guys, you talk about making a jump in your game. Harold Ramirez last year in over 400 bats, Nick, hit six home runs. Wow. Hit six home runs. He's just over 100 and 150 at bats around there right now. And he's already got nine. I mean, the impact that he has brought to this team, so much discussion if they were going to trade him because – Outside of being a you know a nice little niche contact guy against lefties, there wasn't much he can offer. But here he is. He's hitting home runs off righties. He's doing his things against lefties. They're putting him in the middle of the order, and he's rewarding them. So good to see Harold Ramirez there. And then later in the game, Wander Franco, who came into this game with an 11-game hitting streak. We hadn't mentioned it much, and it's because he's a star. Frankly, he just continues to just do what we expect from him, and he's been on this 11-game hitting streak. And I believe it got snapped yesterday, but he did get on base, 
and we talked about we've been talking about a lot about the Rays aggressiveness, right? Oh yeah. And they're making teams make mistakes and that moment there, the game was three to one, and and I believe Rayleigh was up was up at the plate at the time, and Franco just decides to go take off for third, right there, and forces it forces the pitcher to make a throw to third, and it's a bad throw, and then he comes all the way home. So it, it's like a play that he's like kind of forcing the issue there, right? Right? Yeah. But he's so damn good, and he read it so well, it worked out for the race. Oh yeah, I mean, even if the guy had caught it. He I, he clearly would have been safe, and honestly, I got I have to be honest. When a team makes an error like that, and I just I laugh. Like it wasn't as funny as the uh, Little League home run a couple of days ago, but that was still pretty funny for me to watch. But yeah, like you said, you just gotta praise the aggressiveness. I mean, that was a big risk that they had to take there, but it paid off in a huge way. And I mean, obviously, like it wasn't the winning run, but watching the game, it made me feel a little more safe going in there with a. Because I don't remember, did did they, Minnesota score their second run before that, or was that after that? That was after that. That made it 4-1, to one, uh, and Minnesota got a run in the eighth inning on a home run off Colin Pochette. Okay, right, okay. But still, that uh, having that extra, you know, run when they eventually scored their second one, that made me feel a little more comfortable knowing that we had a uh, over one lead. Yeah, well, you got the insurance runs there. It's just the way they're doing it. It, it doesn't matter what the run, how the run comes in. As long as you get them, and the Rays have kind of taken on that philosophy. It's not just home runs. It's not just timely hitting. It's plays like that on the base paths that you don't really expect. But uh, when you're an all-world player like Wander Franco, you can take chances. Yeah, You can take chances there. Uh, and then, again, the bullpen coming in and shutting it down. Pochet gave up the home run, but uh, I'm not, not going to say anything much about it. He's been great lately. And Jake Diekman, how about 11 outings? For the Rays has not allowed a run in ten of them, folks. He had an ERA over eight. He had an ERA over eight when the Rays picked him up off of waivers. And once again, Kyle Snyder masterclass. Jake Diekman. I told you the other day he's had the best stuff of any Rays reliever this season, and it's showing right now for them. And then Jason Adam again, another great outing for him. Locks it down. Seems like he's starting to get back going. Hopefully Fairbanks can get back and the, the bullpen can get solidified because they've really kind of been shutting a lot of people up here with these last three series, the way they performed. Uh, so that was good to see. Yeah, bullpen's starting to get a little more stronger over the past couple of series, aren't they? Like, like not like they haven't made like a huge jump, but I'm starting to see improvements, which is making me as a fan feel a little more uh, comfortable whenever we put them in. Yeah, it is. And they've gotten some guys back. Sean Armstrong was a big one that they got back, and he's yeah. kind of one of those. Uh, Swiss Army Knife guys, you can use him in any role. Right. Uh, they brought up Luis Patino, mm-hmm. right? And we haven't seen him yet, uh, but he's probably going to get a cameo in this series at some point against the Rangers, which is a yeah. huge series coming up that we'll get to in a second. Uh, but I'm excited. I don't know if I should say excited is the word that I'll use for Luis Patino. He's really struggled when he's had chances, and he struggled in Durham, by the way, as yeah, well. He did. Uh, intrigued. I think that's the word he yeah, should Yeah, intrigued like, is like, there you go. Let's, let's see where this goes. I'm cautiously optimistic. That's a good one. With what I'm going to get out of Luis Patino, I'll, I'll put it that way, right? Right. Uh, just because of the struggles that he's had in the big leagues and in AAA this season, but as a reliever, I've always thought this is his better role, so I definitely want to see it. I think the Rays could definitely use a guy. They don't have many guys who are throwing – you know, 97, 98, 99, if anybody really right now with Fairbanks sideline in that bullpen. So he's going to offer a different look. So 
Uh, we'll see what happens there. But re regardless, it's good to see Jason Adams get back-to-back -back, uh, save chances where he looked like the Jason Adam of uh, of last year. Right. And uh, welcome back, Yanni Torinas, by the way, getting called up yes. through a little over five innings. You know, he gave up the one home run. But other than that, he had a pretty solid outing for being brought back. And uh, I'm a big fan of his, so I'm happy to see him back. Yeah, I've, I've been saying, like, I, I think Yanni is a, is a really good kind of fifth option. I yeah. think he's not as... Um, dominant's not the word because he was never a dominant guy, but he was a really, really good pitcher. I would say like a pretty good three that you could put in your rotation. Yeah, solid. Yeah, years ago, but then he's had some of the injuries, and I don't think he's as effective as that. Right. But in the current, his current uh, form right now, I think he's a good five option. I mean, the ERA, he's, what is he's at, two six right now. I think, yeah. And, you know, I, my eyes see it. He gives up hard contact. Mm -hmm. It's a thing, and... Eventually, the analytics will tell you if you continue to give up that hard contact, your luck's going to run out, right. and we're going to be due for a blow-up. Maybe that happens at some point, but for right now, for a guy like that to come from Durham and give you five and two-thirds, almost make it through six, kept the pitch count down, 65 pitches, efficiently 45 strikes on those, that's as good as you can get, I think, if you're Kevin Cash from Yanni Chirinos. Oh, 100%. Honestly, I was, I was not expecting him to throw that much much i thought they were going to kind of like do similar to what they did the previous day where they kind of like you know just kept changing it out after two innings or so but i mean no he he went a lot longer than i was expected and he did really well so yeah all, all these for him. all these guys are going a lot longer it seems lately and i think that's what's helping the bullpen is right. these guys are starting to make it through six if you're in zach eflin's case it seems like he makes it through seven uh, most nights, and he does a great job of helping the bullpen get rested up. They've had some days off as they go back into another stretch here of, of playing every day. Uh, so it's working really well. And, and by the way, as we transition to the series coming up against the Texas Rangers, who I believe they're, what are they, 40-21, and 7-3 in their last 10. They're the second-best team in baseball right now behind your Rays, who unbelievably are 46-19. and 19. Every time I look at that, it's absolutely insane, this run that they've been on. And I can't even call it a start. This is just who they are. Like, we're, we're past a third through the season. Yeah. This is who they are. But the Rangers, what a season they have had. They hit. They pitch. They do all those things well. And the way it's setting up, though, for the Rays, could you ask for anything better than Glasnow tonight, Todd Bradley tomorrow, and then on Sunday you get Shane McClanahan? Could it fall any better for the Rays? I mean, maybe you want to get Eflin there, probably. Yeah, yeah probably but Eflin, but... considering what it is, that's as good as it's going to get, yeah, right? Yeah, that's really good. I mean, you have your ace. I am really interested to see how Glasnow does, because in my mind, like, I mean... Actually, never mind, I take that back. He played against the Dodgers, but, like, this is, like, another real challenge for him, so... This is the best. This is the best lineup that he's going to face. That is, in yeah, all respect, actually, yeah, that is in all respect lineup. to the Dodgers, a very tough lineup. I think the Rangers, the way they're playing right now, I mean, the Rangers have the best lineup in baseball. They've yeah. actually surpassed the Rays, I think, in most offensive categories right now. I think they have. Like, and that would explain why. Like, you know, I was scrolling through Instagram the other day. You know how like MLB always like releases their power rankings. Yeah, they jumped the Rays. They're currently number one. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree to disagree. Yeah, no, I'm the with, same way. I'm like, <laughs> that I'm like, one. I'm like, okay, so record nothing. Okay, fine. No, but they're I mean they're really good. I mean, Mark, yeah. Marcus Simeon is no disrespect to them. They're they're extremely talented. Yeah, when you look at I think what's telling is like you know I've been filling out my All Star ballots right now, uh, trying to get it, trying to get the Rays who deserve to get it. And I'm not one yeah. of those guys. I said this. I don't spam all the Rays. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not voting for. Uh, 
Christian Bethencourt or whatever for catcher, whoever Mejia, whoever's on the ballot, right? Wouldn't that be funny though if he got in? <laughs> yeah, never gonna happen. I know, never gonna happen. I know it's not. But, but I mean, I've been saying it. Wander, I think, deserves to start. I think Randy probably deserves to start. One hundred percent. And I think Yandi by far. In fact, I should have led with Yandi because I think he's got the best chance of those three to start because he's been by far yeah. the best first baseman in the AL. But uh, conversely, I was going to point out. I think there's three guys on Texas who are deserving to start, and that's Marcus Simeon, who's been fantastic. He might be the best leadoff hitter in baseball right next to Yandy Diaz. Uh, Josh Young, this rookie, uh, third base, I think he has the best numbers there. Jonah Heim, catcher, mm-hmm. uh, he's driven in, what, 40, what is it here, 40, I think it's like 45 runs or 46 runs Jonah Himes written uh, is driven in this year. And if you remember, the Rays had him a few years back, and they traded him to the Rangers. And here he had 46 driven in. I was right. 46 runs he's driven in, uh, Jonah Heim, and he's been great. Uh, the Rays had him. They traded him, so good to see. And then also Nate Lowe, who the Rays also had, brother of Josh Lowe. So it's going to be the Lowe Brother Fest in this one. I'm sure the families are going to be there. Oh, yeah. That'll be a cool moment. If Josh Lowe gets on base and you have those guys, you know, kind of you know messing with each other yeah. there on first base, I think their mom, there was a story that I think Topkin wrote in the Times actually about this, that uh, their mom is really looking forward to this and seeing them kind of have their moment there at first base. So that'll be cool. And then Adelise Garcia, who I think leads the AL and RBIs right now. Mm-hmm. I think he's worthy of starting in the All-Star game. So just like the Rays, this is a very, very uh, well-rounded team. And uh, I think the stiffest challenge so far for the Rays. Right. Like, and if you, I think for a lot of people, they're going to be excited because I think, I mean, I have this opinion too. This is a potential playoff matchup we're looking at right here. You Potentially, know? yeah. Potentially, hopefully. I don't know. The playoffs are such a crapshoot. You never know who can, you know, but... I'm hopeful, but I think it's going to be a very entertaining series. I'm really glad you brought up uh, Nathaniel Lowe because I feel like not enough people is talking about that. It's a brother battle. Who wouldn't want to see that? And not to mention, uh, Nathan had a really good season last year. I, he was the silver. He won a silver slugger last year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was. He's really, really good. It's one yeah. of those. That's the one trade that I wish the Rays yeah, could, I was gonna say, could I almost wish, get back. Yeah. But but at the time, at the time, there wasn't really a. Uh, you know, they were, they were riding it with Yandi, and Gmon was there, so there yeah. wasn't really a, a full-time kind of availability. And, and, to, and to, in, in all fairness, Nate Lowe showed glimpses, but not to the extent of what he's done in Texas, right? Right. And Yandi Diaz is playing first base, so it's yeah. like... like I mean, I'm, yeah, it's like we're, I'm, we're good, but, yeah, that sucks. But also, man, can you mention how confusing that would be if we had Nathan Lowe, Josh Lowe, and Brandon Lau See, all that, on the I, same team? I was just going to point that. Well, we did at one point. I we was did, just, yeah, we did. But well. I was just going to point that out. In this series, if Brandon Lau was playing, which, by the way, he's, he's shut down for two to three weeks. Please get better, Brandon. I, I, contrary to what some might think, because I'm pretty, I've been pretty hard on him lately. We're hard on you because we love you. I, I do want Brandon Lau to succeed. I want the Rays to have a healthy Brandon Lau because... I will agree when Brandon Lau is at his best, the Rays are a better baseball team, right? So I hope he gets better, but a two- to three-week shutdown, that's going to be great for him. And his best is really good, too. Like, I think that's... It is. It yeah. is. I'm, I'm not, I've never been disputing that. I'm just... I've almost been disputing the fact that we're getting, you know, we're getting a decent amount of time away from when he was at his best. No, I know that. Like, I, I know that. And that's, but... that's been my whole point about it, is how long can we wait around for him to get back at yeah. his best? I've... I think you and I are in the same way that we're hoping that him getting some time to rehab will help him, you know, get back to some of his old form. So, well, I think it helps for a lot of guys. I mean, look at look at Toronto. Manoa is a great example. Alex Manoa, uh, 
I think he led the AL in ERA last year. He finished third in Cy Young voting. He was an all-star yeah. all in his first full season. And he comes back this year, and the ERA is ballooned to like 6-5. And the Blue Jays said, you know what? We can't do it anymore. Yeah. And he didn't get sent to AAA. He didn't get sent to double-A. He didn't get sent to single-A. He got sent to the Florida Complex League over here in Dunedin, which not too far away from where we are sitting at right now. And because he's going to get state-of-the-art kind of resources that minor leagues would offer, and it's a chance for him to kind of reset this 2023, which has been horrid for him through 13 starts. And honestly, I'm surprised he made it through 13 starts to begin with. Before Toronto made this decision, but you know they're in a playoff battle. They're in the toughest division in baseball. Can't afford every five days to put a guy out there who clearly is just lost right now. But my whole point there is that's what this is for for Brandon Lau. This is a yeah. chance to reset his 2023 and get back on board and be a, a contributor for this team. So that'll be great. But I know I just went on a little tangent there, but I, all I, know, I meant I all I meant to say there was is I was hoping Brandon Lau would be playing in this series because I always love when like especially like the opposing announcers come in and they always get it wrong. Yeah. They always get it wrong. I remember when Brandon Lau and Josh Lowe were on MB Network Studios a month ago when they were up in New York. Oh, yeah. And they and I think DeRosa or someone they, they made the mistake. Yeah. They made the mistake. They called Josh Lowe uh Josh Lau. Right? Yeah. It's it's funny when it happens, but it is what it is. I, I guarantee you, his own, their their own teammates do that in the clubhouse sometimes by accident. Like I guarantee you, maybe not by now. Eh. Eh, okay, yeah, fair. By now, nah. But like when Josh like first like get, started got called up, I'm I'm willing to bet that happened. Yep. Or at least for the new guys. Some. Well, let's hear from the manager yesterday, Kevin Cash, who I think has plenty of reason to be excited. And also, if you're looking ahead, the Rays. After they get done with Texas, they immediately go on a sprint to Oakland. So you want to talk about a chance. If they can get out here with two out of three with Texas, Mm -hmm. and then you get a three-game road stand against the A's, we got a chance to put some more separation in the ALE. So great uh, to see. But here was Kevin Cash yesterday, again after the 4-2 victory over the Twins. The offense up until the fourth inning over was dealing. I don't think you guys even had a base runner up until that point. What'd you like about just what the guys put together with Rayleigh to Harold? Yeah, it took us a little while to get going. Uh, over, he's been using his changeup a lot lately. Looked like Rayleigh was mindful of it uh, after Randy got on base with the big triple to, to knock Randy in. Uh, and then Harold, um, I think that was a breaking ball, but it was an off-speed pitch that he knocked out dead center. Um, it just took a little while, but understand Ober's throwing a, he's throwing a good ball game. He's a really good pitcher, but like the way that we kind of adjusted. And then Wander Franco there, too, stealing the base and then going home. That's the 22nd stolen base of the season for him, but what impressed you about that? Well, I mean, he, he's he's fast. <laughs> Sometimes he can outrun the third baseman, get into the ba- uh, get into the bag. Uh, looked like he kind of committed uh, and just kept going. But with I believe Rayleigh was at the plate at the time. <clears throat> that third baseman is pushed way over to the shortstop side, so it's a tough play, uh, and it played in our favor. Yanni Torinos give you just what you needed tonight. He did a nice job. I'm happy for Yanni. Uh, threw strikes, executed pitches, got a couple more swings and miss than maybe the last time. So encouraged by his overall outing. Over after the third inning, did you see the hand check? No. I went out for the fourth. No, I saw. I thought he was in the bathroom. Yeah, I'm not. No. So you guys didn't alert them to anything, maybe for uh, a. Oh no. No, I was of the assumption that he went to the bathroom and took a little while to get out. 
pretty much what you want to see from Yanni as far as more swing and miss, but still being as efficient as he was getting deeper into a game? Yeah, I mean, look, sometimes the swing and miss is not that easy to come by. Uh, I know I've said it a couple of times. When you got an offense that's rolling uh, and being aggressive and looking to do something early in the count, so you got to throw strikes for that and execute quality pitches early, and I thought he definitely did that. I mean this in the most complimentary way possible, but do you look at Yanni sometimes and wonder how he gets through six innings in a game? I mean, he's, he's not overpowering. Yeah. He's not getting a lot of swing and misses. It's a lot of late movement. I mean, he's really leaned hard on his um, slider lately, but generally speaking, when he's got the sinker going with that slider and then the occasional split, it's, it's a lot for a hitter to process. He's got balls darting every which way kind of at the bottom of the zone. What was encouraging today is he even took a couple pops against left lefties with some four seamers at the top that is not something that he's really shown comfort with in the past and i think he realizes that it might help him when he's turning the lineup over and over Rays manager kevin cash after the 4-2 win over the twins a sweep of the twins and now six in a row 46 and 19 best team in baseball and the lead in the al east uh, continues to grow. It's at six and a half right now. Baltimore did come back and win yesterday against the Brewers, so it stayed at six and a half, but I believe this is the largest it's been in some time uh, because, again, this division is playing at a historic rate, unlike we've ever seen in MLB history right now. Yeah, and I, are the Twins still in first place? The Twins at 31 and 32, if you can believe it, and have lost five in a row, are still in first place, and that division continues to be a crapshoot every single year like how many more years do i have to sit through kansas city detroit and the white Sox just being stuck in the mud they can't get out of their own way those teams are just non-competitive cleveland's always going to be scrappy right right and they more than more than not they usually come out on top of there but even they're 29 and 33 right now they haven't played their best baseball the twins have spent a lot of money recently to try to just solve those problems they've had the pitching but the hitting hasn't been there correa who they gave the big money to hasn't been great uh, Buxton's on the IL, of course. This happens every year with Byron Buxton. So, Give yeah, that, that division let stinks. Let that man just catch a break. How many times is he going to get injured? You know, some guys just are – it's in their yeah. DNA. They just get injured a lot. I mean, we saw it with Kevin Kiermaier and then for, he, for yeah. years. And then he brought up the White Sox. God, like, just remember all those years, like, how much they just, like – they just how much they were tanking and they had this rebuild. Like, I remember, like, every, always hearing, oh, they got this promising farm system. They're so close to breaking out. What did they get them? One playoff appearance, or two, I think they, yeah, 2020 is kind of... Eh. Yeah, they got the COVID year, and then they got the following one, but there's something fundamentally wrong with the culture in that clubhouse. I'm so convinced, yeah. uh, and they, to me, they haven't gotten the manager right. Tony LaRusso yeah. was a joke of a hiring. Yeah, I'm, I mean, look, the dude is a legend, but he's been out of the game for 10 years. The game has changed so much. He was the wrong hire. From the beginning, and I don't oh, yeah. think I don't think they're they're as excited about Grafal right now either. So, yeah, that division's got so many issues right now, so yeah. many issues to the point. And this is my transition here because I wanted to break down. We don't really dive much into outside of the Rays when it comes to baseball. Though we, yesterday we hit Ellie De La Cruz hard, and for for good reason. He's so fantastic to watch. But I just had to get in on this. The New York Mets. <sighs> the New York Mets. All Mets, baby. This franchise is a joke. <laughs> in all due respect, they're a joke. Uh, Their right. payroll, in fact, I should be, I should be correct. Let me, let me go do the right thing and get you the exact number for the New York Mets payroll and what Steve Cohen is paying 
this 30-33 and 33 team that has lost six in a row and sits fourth in the NL East. Let me get the exact number here. Da, 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 da. 349 God. million. Let me say that again. 349 million. The Rays payroll 54 million is the active payroll right now for the Rays. 349 million to be 30 and 33 to lose 6 games in a row. And by the way, it got worse. It's they've hit rock bottom against the Braves, bitter rival in the NL East. They're they're playing they're on the road. They had the lead three runs or more in all three games, and they lost all of them. They lost all of them. And last night was hilarious. Last night was hilarious. They had a ten to nine lead going into the ninth inning. David Robertson on the mound. One out. Just get through it, please. Put the agony away. Stop the bleeding. And he serves up a meatball to Orlando Garcia, who hits a home run. And then we come back the next inning, and Ozzie Albies goes yard and pimped it. And the Mets lose again. My goodness. These teams just that spend all this money around the league. It's not just the Mets. It's the Padres, Right? How much money are the Padres spending on that team? A lot of money. Probably how much, around the same amount. <clears throat> how much money are the Cardinals spending on their last place team? Pretty good amount. How much are the Phillies spending on their 30 and 32 ball club? Pretty good amount. How much are the Angels paying just in two players? My goodness. Free those guys. Just free Trout and Otani. I mean, the Red Sox, for crying out loud, the 30 and 30, the 31 and 32 Red Sox, who I just have not been impressed with at all. I'm, I'm okay with that. That one I'm okay with. I mean, they're spending like $150 million on payroll. And I'm, I watch their team, and I'm going, where is this coming from? Oh, my goodness. If these teams could learn that you don't have to throw money yeah. at a lot of – and I mean, I'm looking at the Mets' payroll, by the way. <laughs> they got – let me count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They got 11 players who are making more money than anybody on the race. 11 players. 11. And the most expensive of them all, Justin Verlander, the ERA is approaching five. He's 40. And the ERA is approaching five. So uh, I just had to bring that up, Nick. I'm sorry. I just couldn't. No, the, no. The Mets, that was awesome. The Mets, I just. You could have gone harder. You could have gotten a lot harder. I'm going to ease off for now. I'll be more. I'm more going to be disrespectful to the Yankees when they start going through it, hopefully now that Judge is out. Yeah, I see, hope that happens. Yeah, see, there you go. It's okay, Mets fans. The Yankees are not doing as good. I mean, you know. Yeah, but the Mets. I mean, I just—it's just the fact that they're spending three hundred fifty million on payroll, and this is what you get. So, look, if you really want to trigger a Mets fan, just tell them that they were the t- team that was going to call up Tim Tebow. Oh, what a joke! Yeah, right. You brought that up, and it's more—it just—they are—they are a joke of a franchise. Yeah, they really are. When's the last time they won a World Series? What is it? Nineteen? Are we going back to nineteen sixty-nine here? I think it was like remember the, the Bill miracle? Buck- no, the, no, the eighty-six no, Mets. Yeah, That's it was right. the Bill Buckner play. The eighty-six Mets. So and, what are we? And if think about it, like forty years. And that shouldn't have happened because remember the red the Red Sox were up a lot by that, and they blew and they just blew that lead. Yeah. If that play doesn't happen. They don't have anything to talk about since the Miracle Mets. Yeah, so we're, what if 30, my math, my, uh, I'm trying to see if my UCF math can help me out here. Was it 37 years since the Mets have, uh, 
have made a, a, a won a World Series. Yeah, they, and they're throwing money right. at these problems. They, they made it like in 2015 where they lost the uh, uh, Royals, but. Yeah, like, what a shame. Yeah. What a shame. We'll keep rooting on our 46 and 19 uh, Rays who hope to make it 47 and 19 tonight. But let's take our first break here on the J.P. Peterson Show. Nick Geddes and new Nick, Nick Porcelli, filling in for J.P., who's at the Mike Evans Community uh, Golf Tournament, who, by the way, he just texted me. And it sounds like he might be joining us from remote for a little bit to show us a little bit of what's going on there. And maybe we'll get into sports, sports talk with him as well so stay tuned we will be back in three hey guys are you experiencing those feelings of getting older lower sex drive fatigue hot flashes moodiness or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had it's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability, not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. 
Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over Uh, Tampa Bay from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, Uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients but it's the customer service that sets them apart they can shop all your insurance needs and save you big time money 
Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Hey guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old, it's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well, so do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional, targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability, not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. It's only just begun. All right, welcome back to a Friday edition of the J.P. Peterson Show. Nick Eddie's an intern. Nick holding it down here for J.P. who is out today. He's at the Mike Evans uh, Charity Golf Tournament. Uh, I'm not even sure. J.P.'s joining us, by the way, right now. J.P., I don't even know where you are right now, so go ahead and update me. Where are you coming to us from right now? Be quiet. We're on the sixth hole right now, and David Kahn of Bespoken Company is about 170. Hold on. Looks like he's got driver. Oh, it's right at the pin. Look at this. Oh, into the water. Into the water. Into the water. All right, so uh, 1986 U.S. Open champion Jane Geddes, your aunt, is about to run play-by-play on my shot, and I'm about to hit a hole-in-one. So here we go. All right, are we ready? No pressure, J.P. Peterson on the tee, par 3, 172 yards. Not much wind to see really consider here he's got a six iron seven iron sorry seven iron practice practice 20th practice swing set up to the ball four place send it just a hair heading a little right mm. a little short of the green but it was a lovely swing lovely swing well, that's okay, that's when the play-by-play person is lying. That was so ugly. I was going to say, I, I, I saw your swings last it. time we played. They were not They were not pretty most of the time. They were not I pretty most it. of the time. Well, we just played a hole where we had to, we had a short chip. Both the guys scalded over the green, and the two ladies nice, I literally hit the pin, both of them, and oh, it didn't drop in. Yeah. So we were definitely relying on the ladies here to mm. pull us through. But I did talk to Mike. And he told us who the starting quarterback was going to be. So we got breaking news. He said, either Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield. But definitely. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, but seriously, uh, Mike, uh, this is, I think, his fourth year doing the golf tournament. He's been doing a gala for a long time. David Kahn, uh, who invited me from Bespoken Companies, uh, is a big sponsor. And they've raised literally hundreds of thousands of dollars for uh, their foundation, which helps a lot of women um, that have been domestically abused. And they really are doing great work. You know, Mike's foundation is one of the best in the area. And they raised tons of money through this and, and the gala. So that's my man, Mike. It's funny, though, because he saw me. And he's like, oh, thanks for coming out all the time to our, our tournaments. I'm like, no, Mike, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually in the, in the locker room asking you questions. That's how you know me. You were incognito, though. I was incognito, yes. But yeah, all right, hold on. We have another another one on the tee right here. This crystal's got about 130 to the pin. I know this is great. It was ribboning golf. Oh, that's right at it. That's going to pop right up onto the green. Very nice. Now Jane will will take a shot. So what do you got? So we're going to get her on. I want you. I want you, as as we approach here. I want you to ask Jane her take on the PGA Tours merger with the Live because it is. It's you know, obviously she's been a big part of the LPGA Council. Be quiet. Be quiet. Hold on. She better hit it on the green because nobody else did. And of course she did right at the pin. Oh my God, this is so good. She hit, it, she hit it to about six feet. <laughs> Just outside the closest to the pin marker. I'm on TV, I mean on radio. Yes, you're on radio. Right. All right, so um, I'll, I'll, I'm going to handle this interview here, guys, real quick. So, Jane, give me your take on this whole merger thing. And if Jay Monahan was the, PGA, was the LPGA commissioner, would the players have fired her by now? Well, I think it's really interesting. I think there's more questions than there are answers. Clearly, everybody knows that. But I, one of the things that I find interesting is how sort of it all came down from a governance perspective and how they were able to make that decision and, and, and really really create the deal without Rory as a part of the player board. Right. So how the players were not involved from a governance perspective, it's very different than the LPGA. The LPGA players would have had to have been a part of that decision. And so, you know... It's there's that's just that's the one little minor thing, and but more from the player perspective, how the players are going to sort of I think how they received it, you know not only did they feel like they were sort of in the dark and betrayed a bit, but you know it it sort of almost you know flies in the face of you know how the how the tour is run, so it's very interesting just from that perspective you know and a hundred other questions beyond that right, so. Well, what we don't know are the details right now, and all we know is that uh, Jay Monahan will be fired as soon as the players get their say. So we know we know that much, which is probably the right thing to do. So, anyway, we're going to go ahead and make this birdie putt, and uh, we'll be coming back on Monday, mandatory OTAs next week, and we're going to be out there and be able to give you guys a great perspective of what's going on with the Bucks, and maybe chat with Mike a little bit later on. I hope to get an interview with him, and we'll bring that to you on Monday. Well, Sound good, boys? Yeah, thank you for joining us from that little onside report there. But you never mentioned it, by the way. Where are you at right now? What golf course are you at? River Hills. We're at River Hills. Oh, you're in my neck of the woods. Yes, yes. Out there in Lithia. The, oh, oh. Yeah, I might, our teammates are just banging putts in from 40 feet, 30 feet. It's like crazy. We're like 17 under after four. So wow. I think we're going to win this one. <laughs> Well, good I think we're going to win this. Well, week. good stuff. Hope you get an opportunity to to talk to Mike, obviously, and give us a good report on Monday. Thank you for joining us again. We will. We'll do. And I'm about to make this birdie putt. We'll Thanks, Dave. Good talking to you. Thank you. See you soon. Thank you. Bye. See you. Bye, guys. Oh, that was good. That was good. See, JP, even when he's away, 
he makes an effort to always come on and, and give us a little sneak peek of what's going on there. And for those who aren't aware, that is my uh, my aunt, uh, Jane Getty. She's a two-time major uh, major women's champion in the LPGA um, and very close with JP, obviously. And it sounds like she's helping that team. She's getting them going because we played golf about a month ago, the three of us, and I was crap and JP was crap. And she was just playing like it was 30 years ago at the LPGA. Right, she was just mopping us. So it sounds like he's doing a good job. They're all, they're over there in River Hills, which is near my neck of the woods, over there in Lithia. So uh, maybe I'll join him a little later while we're when I when we get done with the show here. That'll be fun. Crash the tournament. Yeah, I'm gonna crash the tournament. And you know, if I'm going to a tournament like that, I just want some swag. Just give me some swag. Give me like a T-shirt or a hat or whatever you got to offer. That's fair. I'm, I'm not interested in the golf part, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but. But good stuff there, and JP will be back on Monday, obviously. Mandatory OTAs are going to begin. So much speculation there, obviously, with what's going on with the quarterbacks. Is Devin White going to show up? Is he not going to show up? So many questions there to be answered. But, you know, while we're on the, the topic of the Bucks, I did want to get this to today. This was more of a topical discussion, oh, yeah. obviously, and I think it's a good one. And in Pew Report, I think Bailey Adams wrote an article about this uh, yesterday of who should be the next Ring of Honor inductee uh, for the Buccaneers. And last year it was Bruce Arians, and I think there's a multitude of options they can go with here. And I agree with what Bailey Adams wrote in his article. I think Simeon Rice, it's long overdue. It is long overdue for Simeon Rice. In fact, I've been saying this before on this show. Not only do I feel that Simeon Rice should 100% be in the Ring of Honor, I think the guy should have been considered for the Hall of Fame. That's just me. For whatever reason, he's never really even gotten consideration. It seems like his career has kind of flown under the radar as time has passed, and that ship seems to have sailed. He's a very underrated player. You don't really hear that many people talking about him. But like when you look at his highlights, like he was a great player. Well, the, the, the numbers, to me, like these things are all built on numbers. And he has eight seasons, if I'm, if I'm looking at this correctly, eight seasons of double-digit sacks, including a year with 15, another with 15-and-a-half, 16-and-a-half is career high coming in 99, and then a year of 14. It's like, to me, if you give... This is always my general rule for the Hall of Fame. I say this for baseball, and I think the same applies to football. If you give me eight years, if you give me eight years where you are playing at an elite rate, I'm talking best at your position or one of the best three in your position for eight years, because I think that's a good prime. I think you are a Hall of Famer, or you should be absolutely considered for it. And Simeon, that that uh, that prime right there was from age 22 to 31. So he got nine consistent years out of Simeon Rice uh, on that 2002 championship team. That was the year that he had 15 um, and a half sacks. The next year, he led the league uh, in sacks and in forced fumbles. Uh, he was a Two-time All-Pro, if I'm not mistaking. Two-time All-Pro, two Pro Bowls. Yeah, he had some Defensive Player of the Year votes as well. Probably should have been in more Pro Bowls, if we're being honest. But that was he played in an era with a lot of really good pass rushers, um, unfortunately. But again, it just he seems to be the guy that goes under the radar, especially on that 2002 Bucks team. And you know, I say it all the time: if it wasn't for Simeon Rice being there, I don't think Warren Sapp has the impact that he does from a pass rushing standpoint that season, where Warren really 
had his best year. I think the two go kind of hand in hand. So I think it's long overdue for the for the uh, the Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was the name? You know, you brought up some names to me when we were talking about this. So present your case here. I actually have a list of players. Simeon is on is on there. Now, uh, I'll start with a little throwback. Maybe a name you don't recognize, but Hardy. Hardy Nickerson, he was a two-time All-Pro, made five Pro Bowls, a really solid guy before the Super Bowl era. I think he deserves to go in. I thought Ro- Hardy's in, right? Is he? Did I misread that? If, if I made that blunder in my in my first live appearance, I'm going to... Listen, it happens all the time. Yeah. There's always blunders. Yeah. There's always blunders, but I'm almost positive Hardy's in the in the ring of honor. If You, if you, you should be. I'm almost, I'm almost confirm- positive. Yeah, can you confirm that for me, please? Let me see... Is Hardy not in? Wow. He's not in. Boom. He should be in. I was right. He should be in. I mean, he had a great career for the Bucks. He should be in reason. Why did I... I feel all... I've gone to so many Bucks games, and I feel like I've always seen his name sitting on the stadium for some reason. Hardy Nickerson's not in the in the ring of honor. He should be. He absolutely should be. And I'm surprised he's another one because he came before Simeon. Wow. Yeah. Man, I did not realize that Hardy Nickerson was not. That's why when you said it, I'm like, oh, he's in the ring of honor, of course. Like, he was one of the uh, the first, like, 25 years for the Bucks. He was one of the best players yeah. they ever had. Well, wow. Yeah. Well, okay, so Hardy Nickerson, keep going. Okay. Uh, Vincent Jackson provided some good years on offense for us in the dark, age, dark ages, AA. I mean, i.e., before Tom Brady shows up and we win a Super Bowl. Mike Evans always credits him for, like, you know, helping him become a good receiver, being a good teammate. He was very active in the Tampa community and, you know, made some Pro Bowls appearances. He was one of my favorites growing up, you know. Oh, I'm torn on that. I'm torn on that. And first and foremost, obviously, always thinking about Vincent Jackson with the – with what happened to him, yeah, obviously. Yeah, that, that's why I'm like, eh, on it. I'm like, eh. Well, it's not that. It's, it's taking that out of the equation. It's, it was a short time he was here. But he was a very it was a very player. short time. It was five years. The last two were injuries. The first three years were really good, yes. But it, and here's my thing. It's like if Hardy Nickerson's not in the Ring of Honor, yeah. it's hard for me to go down the, the Vincent Jackson because yeah. Hardy Nickerson appeared in five Pro Bowls, Two All Pros, and he was a member of the All 1990s team. Which the more I read about this, how the hell is Hardy Nickerson not in the Ring of Honor? This yeah, might be Hardy's on the top. Of the I'm list. almost taking this back. This is almost more egregious than Simeon Rice, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he had the tenure in Tampa Bay, seven years spent there, uh, played on some really good teams. Obviously, was a mentor to Derek Brooks and all those things. Yeah, yeah. that's. Yeah, I can't. I can't get on board with Vincent. I, I he had some great years, but I think he falls Maybe. into the. I have a the my list are guys who I think should be in the Ring of Honor someday, mm-hmm. but I agree with you. I don't know if Vincent should be in now, but I, Hardy and Simeon are top two choices. Although there's a third guy who I wouldn't mind in going in right now, but we'll get to him later. Uh, next on the list, Ali Marpet made a Pro Bowl, was a constant member of the O line, big key to our Super Bowl win. He's still active with the Bucks, which is why I don't think he will. He'd go in now, but I think he would. He will go in one day. 
Well, Paul Gruber's in the Hall of Fame. Is in the Ring of Honor. Yeah, that's like that's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, but Paul Gruber also played twelve seasons. Yeah, but he with played. the Bucks at left tackle, yeah, premium position, held the fourth down. Now he doesn't have the All Pros or Pro Bowls or anything like that. And Allie played what eleven or seven seasons? But they were all with the Bucks. They were all with the Bucks, obviously. Just like Gruber, he has the Pro Bowl and he has the Super Bowl. I could see it at some point. I could see it. It's just you know I like things to be. I typically like small Hall of Fames. I like small Ring of Honors, particularly. I don't like just passing out a bunch of guys. Like if you were really good, like a really because he was a really good player. I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't classify him as a great player. So, Ali's probably another one. I, it's tough to get on board there, honestly. I think he will. Me. I think he will one day. Yeah, we'll see. I'm yeah. I'm thinking more of like the guys who were at the top of the food chain when I thought about the Bucks. So like like I don't know if Jeremy McCoy is on your list there, <clears throat> and it seems like he's the most divisive. Wow, spoiler! He was he was my last one actually. Well, well yeah, I I think Gerald though is the most divisive figure, for whatever reason, for the Bucks. Actually, I say for whatever reason, but I know the reason because yeah. he came at the the worst time he, to be the face of the franchise. He was so good. He was he was really really good and great in some seasons. And unfortunately, he was going to always be compared to Warren Sapp. Yeah. And, you know, Warren had that reputation for being nasty and mean and, you know, getting care, giving F about the opponent. Yeah. And, Gerald you know, was Gerald was there. helping quarterbacks up after he sacked him. He was such a, like, yeah, like, he was a nice guy. You remember that? And he was also just funny. Like, remember that Hard Knocks clip where, like, they just, like, changed, like, the uh, celebration rules and he, like, kind of, like, goes up to the ref and he's just like, yeah, like he we're going to test the face here. Is this too much? Like, Gerald's a Hall of Fame great person. Yeah. But I also think he was a great player for the majority of his prime, which all came in Tampa Bay. He was a bright spot for but us for the longest time. He was. He was alone. He, Him he and Levante guy, David well, held it down. When we won the Super Bowl, he was the one guy I wish could have won with us. Cause I'm like, I after, do too. Because like, like, I remember everyone being like, Mike Evans, Levante David, after all they've been through, they finally get the ring. But I'm like... Man, I do too, Gerald but I get it. I do too, but Indomitian Sue, I think for that moment was right for that team. No, I understand. Like where, at the time, he was kind of kind of going down in age, but it, it was more for me like sentimental reasons. I'm like, man, yeah, after I agree. All he's done for us, he he deserved to be here. I, I just think he gets a lot of negativity from Bucks fans that I think is a bit harsh because yeah. I just don't understand why you're expecting a defensive tackle. You can't ca- to you can't, to one, carry a team to you, the. Like he should not get. That's what I'm saying. He should not get flack for the fact that the Bucks did not make the playoffs during his tenure. There's only so much a defensive tackle can do to impact the game. And the quarterbacks that he played with while he was here, uh, we're talking Josh Freeman, we're talking uh, Mike Glennon, we're talking Josh McCown, and then I think he was here for like three years of the Jameis era. Yeah. Okay. And that that was always going to dictate it. He played under Greg Schiano. He played under Lovey Smith. Smith. He played under Dirk Cutter. There were so many other things you could look at, but Gerald, as the face of the franchise, got the flack. So I think Gerald should get in. He's got the All-Pros. He's got the Pro Bowls, the tenure with the Bucks. I think he should be in. Uh, and Le- Levante David, to me, is a shoe-in. Yeah. There's, there's no yeah. debate there. That was the one thing for me. I'm like, so many guys who should be in the Ring of Honor are like currently playing. Yeah, like, I, I wanted to focus. Mike Evans should be yeah, in there. Yeah, those will come. I'm, I'm trying to focus more on the guys who are, who are realistic kind of candidates right now. Um, I know another guy, and if you're an older Bucks fan, he's been vouched for a lot. Is the James uh, James Wilder, oh, right? Yeah. The original, you know, kind of bruiser running back for the Bucks from the '80s. I could definitely see that argument uh, for him. Uh, Thomas Casper chimed in. What about Brad Johnson? Super Bowl I, he quarterback? was on my he was on my list. He was on my list. Like he wasn't like he was kind of like a very, you know, gay manager role. But like you know he. 
made a Pro Bowl. He won the Super Bowl. So, like, he has uh, some accolades to make an argument. Well, He's lower on the list, but, I mean, I understand why he would say that. Well, it's funny because I was going to say Brad didn't have the tenure that I'm, I'm necessarily looking for. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He to be in a ring of honor. He didn't play long enough. Like, weirdly, like, if you look him up, you see more of him in playing for the Vikings. He started three years for the Bucks. Now, and he won a Super Bowl in his, fir- in his second year. Now, <laughs> this is where it becomes, I don't know, I don't know how, what the word is to describe this, but I'm not going to vouch for Brad Johnson to be in the Super Bowl, but I'm a thousand percent, or the Super Bowl, jeez. He was. The Ring of Honor. I'm, but I'm obviously going to vouch for Tom Brady yep, to, be, to be first ballot. He is on my list. In the Ring of Honor. I, I think there's a big difference in Brad and, and Tom. because yeah, he, like, played elite. Multiple years. He... Uh, Tom Brady was the best quarterback in the NFL, I think, in my opinion, for the first yeah, two years he, with the Bucs. He made the Pro Bowl, was an All-Pro. For my money. He, you know, won changed, Super Bowl MVP. Changed everything when he got here. I think it's so self-explanatory. I need statues. I need the Ring of Honor. All those things now, for Tom Brady. I don't think he should go in this year because, frankly, and you, you brought this up when we were talking about it privately, like, New England's kind of doing something with him right now. And also, I think part of me, and I think most of us feel like this, where we're like, until the first ball gets kicked off next year, we're not 100% convinced he's retired. I'm just kind of like, you know, let's just, like, wait it out a little bit and then I think he's done. I think he's definitely He's definitely done. He should be, but, like... Well, well, there's a no rush to get to bring all the festivities back. Let's, you know, give him some time. We'll we'll get to that at some point. I think he should go in one day. But I will say... I mean, look how long we had to wait to get Mike Allstott in the in the Ring of Honor. That was unbelievable. Who was a shoot? And it just kind of we're still waiting for Hardy Dickerson, obviously. Yeah. So yeah. it'll it'll come. But I think yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. Hardy, Gerald, and Simeon for how much longer they've been on the Bucks? That they, they need to go. Up yeah, to time. me, those are the. I think those are the three logical guys that are coming up next: Simeon Rice, Hardy Nickerson, and Gerald McCoy. I'd probably go in that order. Yeah. To be honest, and I, then maybe Allie would go in. Eh. Well, actually, you know what? Depends. I can't. I if, probably can't get there with that. You know what? If I will say this: if Mike Evans like retired next season, I think he'd immediately go in just because like he was he's Mister Buck, like he's one of the most successful offensive players, and he's the best Bucks offensive player yeah. of all time. Yeah, it's really not close. He's on the Mount Rushmore for best Bucks of all time, along with uh, uh, I think no, he has an argument like. I guess not clearly. Like guys like Derek Brooks, he's clearly on there. I, I think the, the the Mount Rushmore for the Bucks is until something changes, and I think there's only one guy that's a chance to break through on that, and that's Tristan Wirfs. But he's obviously got some ways to go. He could. Is I think it's still Brooks, Leroy Selman, Warren Sapp, and then I throw Rondé in there. I still think that's the four. Oh, Rondé. Yeah. No. Ronde. I still think You're that's right. the four. I You're love. Right, I love Mike. He's got the record for most a thousand yard seasons to open up. Uh, a career, and he's probably going to be a, he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer because he's got the numbers. Uh, but I still think those will be the four for now. Well, those are all defensive guys. So at the very least, then Mike Evans is on the Mount Rushmore for offensive players, which also like, you know, oh he leads that. Yeah. Oh my. Him. It's him, <coughs> Mike Allscott. I'm going to pass on that. It's Thomas Casper, Keyshawn Johnson. I know you're probably trolling with that one. I, no I, freaking Keyshawn way. popped my mind, but I'm like, you know what? He was just so Keyshawn should pop nobody's mind, okay? Like, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> He came in, got no. his Super Bowl, and then had a dispute with John Gruden and national TV in which Jim was out. I remember, like, in, watching the, like, uh, like, the America's Game thing, you know, the documentary the NFL does for every, like, Super Bowl winner. Like, yeah, yeah. Warren Sapp was literally, like, he wasn't one of us. Like, he never 
really wanted. Well, he it, wasn't. Right? Yeah. He wasn't. He was. Uh, you know, he wanted. He, what was the not? He's a mercenary. What was the title of his book? Get me the damn ball or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like he's a, he was the original yeah. diva yeah. receiver. It, yeah. <coughs> First oh overall, and but also like Terrell Owens was in his draft. Look so. at Sean. Look at Sean popping in. Sean, who you don't you don't know, but Sean, uh, he. We host a, a UCF podcast on Believe Network together called Charge On. He co-hosts sometimes oh, yeah. when JP's out. I listen every now and then. Of course, he, of course he, he chi- he's a Patriots fan. Of course, he's chiming in here. A statue for a quarterback that played three seasons. He's a Patriot, Nick. Stop it. Get out of here, Sean. He, he's a buck, okay? Everyone liked him more when he was a buck. I'm just going to bring this than up. Than he was a Patriot, when Sean. He, Thank he, you. When he retired, the first time at least. He had this long paragraph about and everything, and he thanked Tampa Bay and their fans. Who did he not thank? New England. Oh, now you're shit starring here. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. going in. Well, he's he's fine with he's fine with New England. All that was. Yeah. I know. Sometimes that know. all gets blown out of proportion. I like but, pissing off Boston fans. But Sean loves to chime in here and, and just claim Tom Brady and Gronk and all that, even though they were infinitely more fun. Sean, we're both UCF fans. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> Sean's upset they didn't get Joe Girardi. He's still upset about that. Should we really be? I mean, like, look, it's a big hire, but, like, is, that's more like just headline grabbing. Like, the dude has never coached. I don't get the connection. Co- college baseball. Like, he lives in the area. He wanted to get back. They recently just offered his daughter a basketball scholarship. Yeah, which was a little fishy to me. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, she's a good player. Like, if you look at her stats, she's a good player. Yeah, she she's was, a top she recruit. She was going to D1, but, like, the timing was weird. And it's I the, yeah, that. that's what I'm saying, that they offered her two weeks ago, and then all of a sudden, Girardi, Joe Girardi, the UCF baseball head coach, you hear it, it never really made sense to me. But it's like, yeah, like, it's just, it's just the name. Because, like, and even then, like, keep in mind, he, he was struggling the MLB. Like, the Phillies fired him for a reason, and then without him, they made a run to the World Series. Like, yeah, and I, and I think, you know, I'm not college as... college baseball is way different than that. Um, for people who don't know, UCF baseball recently fired their coach, and, you know, right after he fired it, there was this weird rumor that started, and then started to actually gain traction with official sources that former Yankees World Series winning manager and manager of the Phillies last year, Joe Girardi was interested in maybe taking the UCF head coaching job. He actually met with the athletic director, Terry Mahajer, and then eventually, yesterday, they offered him the job, which he would eventually turn down. But for a while there, it looked like he was actually going to become the manager of UCF baseball. And as a UCF fan, I understand why. That is a potential moneymaker. Maybe he could help recruiting because of what he did with the World Series. But I'm, I'm sorry, I just didn't see it. He, I don't... I remember seeing like this joke, like you know, what was he known for not doing? Not playing the young guys. He's, a, he's like, an how, old. How are, how are you going to play? How are, how are you going to not play young guys when you coach college? He's an old school manager who yeah. I think has reached his expiration date. Yeah. In MLB. Well, yeah, and it wasn't just that. Like with coaching, like it's also like when you coach in college, you don't just coach; you got to recruit and all that stuff. And you, this guy's never done that, so it's just like yes, but. I'm not going to sit here and say that Joe Girardi wouldn't if he couldn't figure out a way to be a good recruiter. I mean, I mean, he, he did is say still, he wanted to hire a guy, but still, it's a he very still brings thing. a very he still would have brought in a pretty good cachet. I think his just name on name value. Yeah, uh, you think about boosters and things like that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The that business is, behind it. That's I what think, I kept saying. It's to grab headlines. It's a money maker. 
but I don't know if it's for like results in the field. Well, I think that job, though, honestly, going into the Big 12, they have a lot of suitors. Uh, I know the the Maryland head coach, who I think has won Coach yeah. of the Year in the Big Ten the last two years. He's a candidate. One of Florida State's assistants. He's a he's a candidate. Absolutely. So he's who I think they might end up getting. I don't yeah. know why. I'm, I'm co- but yeah. But it would have been. It was cool. It was cool for about an hour yesterday, where UCF baseball yeah. of and all after, things yeah. was in the headlines. Like all the MLB writers were talking about it yeah. at the time. And now there's like rumors that it's like uh, <laughs> he might be interested in the Miami job, which I don't even know if like Miami has like offered him. Anything, but well, I mean, maybe you never know. I mean, I, I do you, want to be in that scenario though, because like to be fair, like you did mention, like his time, his it feels like his expiration date hit for as uh, an MLB man, right? But still, it's like, like who who else is offering you a job, Joe? Like you know, like why not take it? I don't know. I mean, he's older. This is my thing that I always I mean, question like, too. He's like, older now. Yeah. You said he lives in the area. Obviously, right. is it just a you know? Yeah, I, I'll say that if you said no because he decided he doesn't he didn't want to coach. Fine, but like if he comes out like later and says, "Oh, I still want to coach," then I'll be like, "Okay, so why did you turn the job down?" I don't know. It felt a little. Uh, it was. It, it felt a little when we talked about USF here a couple months ago when they were looking for a basketball head coach. It feels almost a little Mike Brayish to me. Yeah, that's where yeah. you know, and it sounded like like Michael Kelly got the feeling talking to Mike Bray that potentially. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm speculating here, but I just this is the only thing I can come up with that he got the he got the feeling that Mike Bray was just here to come in and you know, quote-unquote, a retirement home and not take it serious, right? Yeah. So well, you have to always be leery about that with an older coach and it has right. a, a local tie, especially with, with Joe Girardi there, right. I guess. Well, from what I heard with Girardi, his whole goal was like he's like he was hoping to do well to maybe get back into the majors, which, yeah, okay. Uh, I think, <laughs> I mean, then again, Tony LaRusso got I, hired. Yeah, so. I don't know. Like, that whole thing was just weird. Like, I think it's going to be the thing that, like, it's like a, tri- like a trivia answer, you know? You're like... Who did UCF offer to be their head coach one time? And you're just gonna be like, really? It was Joe Girardi. That's well, didn't happen. Didn't Unfortunately happen. for you, for a lot of UCF fans who were upset about it, they turned the page. Calm down, um, guys. But yeah, Joe Girardi did not see that coming. That was honestly the most random. News no, it really was yesterday. like because I was like covering the conference baseball tournament, and I was at the former coach's Greg Lovely's final press conference, and then when he got. Acts like less than twenty four hours later, like immediately after this, like rumor started coming up. And I'm like, Joe, Joe Girardi, why the heck would he come? In? Oh, this could actually happen. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was a weird few weeks as a UCF baseball fan. Yeah. But all right, go. let's pay some bills. Let's hit a break here. Good discussion there about the Bucks Ring of Honor. If we missed anybody, if there's somebody I'm missing, chime in in the comments. Who would you like to see go into the Bucks Ring of Honor? Uh, a very prestigious club, obviously. Uh, and I've got Hardy Nickerson, Simeon Rice, and who's the third one? I'm out. Jerry McCoy. Jerry McCoy. Jerry McCoy. Those are my three right there that I think should be in next, uh, kind of in that order. So we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll get into last night, the Stanley Cup. The Panthers battle back to win game three. And we got a game four coming up uh, in the NBA Finals as well. The Nuggets up 2-1 in that series. We have a Women's College World Series champion, Yon, of course, Oklahoma again, a three-peat. All that and a lot more NFL news and notes as well coming up. Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few minutes. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches 
in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank, but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa, and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the Internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa. 
And for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events. The biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events. The Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. All right, welcome back on a Friday edition of the JP Peterson Show. Wrapping up this week, which has just, it's flown completely by. I keep looking at the date every single day, and I'm just blown away that it is already June 9th. We're halfway through the year. I wish life would slow down just a little bit. I'm sure everybody feels the same way. Uh, hey, by the way, coming up on June 18th is Father's Day. And just a reminder, if you're looking for a nice little gift to give to your father, your grandpa, anybody, uh, obviously the Golden Diamond Source, 3800 Olmerton Road, is your place. Uh, new Rolexes, pre, uh, pre-owned Rolexes, all those great things, big baller watches, anything that you're looking for for a Father's Day gift, the Golden Diamond Source has it for you. 3800 Olmerton Road, online, at the gold and diamond source, uh, dot com, and thanks to all of our other sponsors as well: Jeeves Law Group, Barry Modern Medical Center, Italiano Insurance, Extravaganza, Extravaganza Productions Incorporated (EPI), and American Mortgages. Our great sponsors that allow us to continue to keep doing this every single day uh, for y'all. All right, let's get into a little bit of hockey, shall we? From hockey. last night. Game three of the Stanley Cup Finals, Vegas going in with a 2-0 lead. And Nick, it was looking like Vegas was going to get out of there with a, with a 3-0 lead. Florida played some uninspiring hockey once again for, what, 55 minutes? Yeah. 55 minutes last night? Around that. They had 17 shots, okay, with under five minutes to go in the third period. They couldn't, their power play has been dreadful and this entire series, and I saw a lot of Panthers fans were really kind of pointing the finger at Paul Maurice a little bit, which I think is a little unfair because he got you to the Stanley Cup final his first year, so how bad can he be? Yeah. Obviously, uh, but no. Uh, Vegas, to me, their defensive structure, and we talked. that's what Casey Hudson had kind of said yesterday when we had her on, is Vegas has four complete lines, and then their defensive structure has just been so well well done in this series at Aiden Hill, the hot goaltender. And Florida found a way to finally beat him yesterday. They got the 6-on-5 advantage. Kachuk puts it home to go to overtime. And then Carter Verhage. Carter Verhage, the former Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup champion who's been so good the last couple seasons. He had kind of been he kind of had a disappearing act a little bit here for the Panthers in the Stanley Cup final and he gets the game-winning goal in overtime, and here was the call last night on TNT, and you'll hear, what is it, Florida Live Arena? Is that what they call it over there in Sunrise? Yeah, F- oh, FLA. Whatever, right. Florida, that's a weird name for an yeah. arena. But they erupted last night. Here was the goal. Bennett. Bennett. 
Loud eruption right there from those Panthers fans, which, by the way, they were so much more louder. Even losing the game, they were way louder than the night before over in downtown Miami when the Heat were playing. Yeah. Wasn't even close, but good for the Panthers. We're Panthers fans on this show. At least, I don't know if you joined in on this yet, but I had been, I'm fully converted into a Panthers fan for these next couple weeks. JP's riding the fence a little bit. He's finding it a little bit hard, but obviously he works for the Lightning, so I understand. Yeah. But we had Greg Wolf on who kind of told us you know, all the reasons why we should be a Panthers fan. Yeah. I thought it would help him, but he's still uh, riding the fence a little bit. Look, all I'll say is congrats to the Panthers on winning their first ever game in the Stanley Cup Finals. That's huge. You now have 15 less Stanley Cup Final wins oh, than the Lightning. On. There's no need to be rude like that. They're the little brother. The little, the, let the little brother succeed a little bit, shall we? I think it's good. See, I say this all the time. If my team is out, right, more often than not, if a Florida team's in, I'm going to root for the Florida team. At the end of the day, I want the state to win. So that's why when we had March Madness going on, now I, I, I found it a little hard to root for Miami. I'm not going to lie, okay? Because I'm just not a, hur- I, I'm not a big Hurricanes guy whatsoever. But when FAU was in the final, I was all on board. Let's go Owls, baby. Let's, let's go Owls. I was all on it. Um, and I'm all in on the, I was obviously all in on the Heat getting to the finals. Now, I don't think the Heat are going to win this finals. I think they're overmatched by the Nuggets. And again, <laughs> Game 3 showed that. I mean... The, the next game is really what's going to decide that. Like, if they lose two straight games at home, series is done. I'm sorry. It is. Like, if they can win it, okay, then now, now we have a little interesting. I just – Especially come back home. Yeah, I just – I don't – I don't – even if Tyler Harrow comes back again, like I said yesterday, I think you're lucky – I think 15, 20-minute cameos max out of him probably. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I don't believe it's, much of them right now. I don't even now. know about that. Like, they're, they're just so on and off, and which is really just the whole – Montro I have about Jimmy Butler like one time like his best might be better than anyone like you know we'll put on these amazing performances you're like oh my gosh this is the greatest player it's been ever. a little bit since we've gotten one of right. those but that, great Jimmy Butler performances exactly but then he'll just like do these like kind of, he'll just like not show up and it's like but where was that? Where was, where's, where's Jimmy Buckets? Yeah, and if you take Jimmy Butler out of the equation, you make it really hard on him to score. I think that's where Miami struggles is because they have a bunch of three-point shooters, as I mentioned, and I think the margin of error is so slim for them, whereas the Nuggets, there's no stopping Nikola Jokic. Jamal Murray, when he wants to, can give you what he just did the other night. So I think the Nuggets, I think they end the series in five. I'm sticking to it. Uh, but back to the NHL, uh, the Panthers, I mean, let's see. I mean, this is a team that has found a way to steal games. I mean, there's a reason why they're in here. They're not as talented, probably, as, some of the, as any of the teams they've beaten, to be honest. They're not as talented as Vegas. They don't have that top-end star power outside of, you know... Matty Kachuk. Out of Matt Kachuk, who came alive yesterday, right? Yeah. He was the best player for Florida, and that's what has to happen. Your best players have to be your best players. So, Math Kachuk was last night. And by the way, Casey Hutchins, she nailed. She nailed it yesterday. Go back and listen. You could, you can, she nailed her picks yesterday, right? She oh, yeah. had March or so for an anytime goal. It happened. She mentioned Brandon Montour, right? Mm-hmm. This is an example of how she watches the game so closely. She mentioned that when Kachuk has gone quiet, it's been Brandon Montour, who's, who's a defenseman, has had the most shots outside of Kachuk. Which is crazy when you think about it. And what does he do? He scores the opening goal last night. Yeah. So she nailed it, and Verhage got off the Schneid, obviously. So let's see. We have a series now. 
that place was rocking. Mm-hmm. Can they stop throwing the rats, though? And you can throw the rats when you get a game-winning goal, but they threw the rats on the ice <clears throat> after Kachuk tied it up. And then we got to have a three-minute break to clean the freaking rats off yeah. the ice. And like, you, 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 I thought they were going to stall their own momentum right there. Yeah, like, it, like I think most people were complaining because it's dangerous. I don't know, because they're, like, rubber, right? So it's, like, I don't know if it's dangerous. It's just more like, first, like, yeah, you're delaying time. And also, like, you're, if you do it for, like, every thing like that's kind of big you kind of ruin the you know well to be fair i don't think i don't think the rats are necessarily dangerous because they're probably i I don't like i don't know because i think it was a lot more dangerous i went to the lightning panthers when they played each other two years ago in the first round i was thinking about that like we kept we threw the clappers on the ice. Yeah, we started just throwing every time they handed us something. Which, first of all, I like getting free stuff. Lightning fans, please stop throwing them on the ice because yeah. And the players were like, the players were even yeah, telling I, everybody, I, I, "Can I you stop?" Like, I was just being like, like those stops. things. That is a safety hazard. Yeah, that's a safety hazard. Like, but I'm like, also, I'm like, at least we do it at the end. We're like, that's what I'm saying. If you're gonna throw something on the ice, do it at the end, not during the game like that. Yeah, and like it's because like I thought you, I thought you stunted some of the momentum potentially there. And then, yeah. by the way, I have to get into it because it was the big talking point last night, and it almost came back to bite Florida in the ass a little bit. And I again, I I, I don't know how I really feel about this. To be honest, I probably ride the fence a little bit too much on this. How I feel about the officiating in the NHL in big moments, right? Yeah. Should you did you throw away the whistle or should you call it straight up? We got a penalty call yesterday. With 11 seconds left in that third period. Yeah. First, they called the trip on Barkov. And then I saw the replay, and I'm like, Barkov didn't even touch him. Yeah. He hit the skate of, what was it, Gustav Forsling, I believe. I think it was, yeah. And so they, they, they got the correct call there. But I, I just don't, I didn't like that call in that moment. 11 seconds left. Now, I know the Lightning got burned by that against Toronto earlier when they missed a blatant. To me, that was different. That was yeah. a blatant high stick yeah, he definitely on Hagel when he was coming in. Oh, I forgot that. <laughs> oh, that so it's like, I don't memories. know. It's like, again, the consistency there is my problem. It seems like it changes from, well, yeah. from officiating crew to officiating crew. But in that moment, I don't know. Stanley Cup, Game 3, I, that's such a big moment to make a call like that. And yeah. I don't think it was a definitive trip. Well, I think you, everyone will agree with on that. Like, we all just want consistency. Like, yes, there's going to be debates. Put away the whistle. No, call everything fairly. At the very least, my thing is, like, it, just pick something and just stay with that. If you can just do that, I'll be like, you know, I might not always agree with the call, but, like, fine. Like, at least I'll, I know that it isn't, like, a coin flip on whether you're not going to call it or not. But I, I understand why you feel that way. Like, Whenever you just see something like that happen, especially in a huge game like that, it's, it's a Stanley just, Cup final. It's annoying. Like it's it's not it's. I think this is a little worse, but it's kind of it's almost like back during the Super Bowl when that holding call cost Philly. You right, know? right. It's like because it's so ticky. It was yeah, such and a the mo- and those big moments like that, I tend to just unless it's blatant, like blatant. blatant, obvious, intentional. I didn't think that was intentional. Yeah, I, I really yeah. thought they just kind of collided with skates a little bit. And, of course, Stevenson's going to go down in that moment, obviously. Yeah, I'm I not think, saying he took a dive or anything, but I'm just saying, of course, he was going to fall there. As he right. should. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a good play by he, him. He did his job. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think everyone will agree with that, you on that one. Like, unless it's, like, very obvious. Like, unless, in the Super Bowl case, unless he was, like, physically hugging him and refusing to let him put his arms up, or in that case, unless he literally took his stick and just whacked under him to take take the trip, call that, obviously. But in those kind of, like, toss-up moments, it's just like, in the in the big games, you just kind of want to see him play. Yeah, I, I just don't like when games end like that. But credit Florida. They were able to kill off that penalty. 
um, the last 11 seconds of it there in the third yeah. period, and then in overtime, and they were able to get the Verhage goal pretty quickly. Love, I love Stanley Cup final overtime hockey. It's great. Yeah. Sometimes I almost wish it goes on longer because yeah. it adds to some of the drama, but good for Florida. They were able to end it, obviously, and yeah. we have a series. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Because they won it, I think that like call, no one's going to really remember that. If, now, if they had like lost and they hadn't killed that off, and especially if they hadn't killed that off. Yeah, and the series, to me, at that point is over. Hearing about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the series is over at that point because uh, yeah. they would not – I don't think they would be coming yeah. back from Well, the from next game – well, well, the next one is really huge. If Vegas wins, they're most likely taking this whole thing, especially going back to Vegas. If the Panthers can win, I'm, I'm calling it coin flip. I don't know who's winning it. Like – but I will say, last night, for me especially, I he's not there yet, but like remember like during the conference finals like how dominant uh, Bobrovsky was? Mm-hmm. Like He's essentially the reason they got there. He, it looks like he's starting to get back to that form. Because in games one and two, I'm like... Well, he got yanked in game two. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm like, he's he's run out of gas. They, they left him out to dry too long. He, he can't carry him anymore. Yeah, I think it's... I think it helps. They have a great home atmosphere there down in Florida. Can't take anything away from them there. So When the fans show up. Let's see if they can get it. They've never won a game in Vegas, though. Even a regular season. I know regular season is different. Really? They've never won a game in Vegas. Wow. So put two and two together there of why they've struggled. I don't know what it is. I don't think there's – sometimes I don't think there's much to that because I think the regular season is just completely different from yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, like, to be fair, like, this is Vegas' seventh season. This is their first ever playoff meet meetup. So, like, how many times have they actually gone over there? Like, it can't be more than 10. Yeah. There's I, no way it's double digits. Yeah, that's why I kind of just, I throw that one out a little bit, but. Yeah, like, if it was, like, I don't know, like, at least, like, 10 or more, yeah. uh, then I'd be like, okay, that that might be a little concerning, but. Yeah, but we'll see what happens there, and then again, obviously, the NBA Finals, uh, I think we both would agree the Nuggets are probably going to take that one. Yeah. Uh, and then also last night, <clears throat> I caught the tail end of this because I had my my uh, my weekly softball game last night, which, by the way, we lost again. Sorry. We're 0-4. Just feels the, the, like, the win's coming. Feels I, like, I believe. Feels like we're never going to win. I believe in you, Nick. Uh, You're going to get that win. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Be positive, man. Start not to, not, Positivity helps. Listen, we took we took such a step backward yesterday. We lost 8-2. to two. And, and softball, by the way, if you give up eight runs, I think 99% of the time you're probably going to win that game because they're all high scoring. Uh, yeah. And we scored two runs. And we also had the bases loaded with one out, and we got nothing. So we kind of deserve that. So anyway, though I missed the beginning of this game, and that's the women's college world series, which which I watched game one yesterday and it's or the day prior in its entirety. With Jordy Ball went seven shutout innings, she was fantastic. She's got to be the best college pitcher I think I've ever seen in women's softball. And Oklahoma yesterday they get down one zero to Florida State. And they threw out their their second ace. They have like three aces. They're just a good team. There's a reason. Good is un, good is underselling sorry, it. It's elite. They've won. It's historical. Games. It's historical what they've done this season. They ended, this wasn't even shocking. What did they go? Sixty-one and one. No, six. Yeah, sixty-one and one. I think it was this year. They scored over five hundred runs. They have yeah. three aces. They're just a complete so juggernaut. Oh, good. I was a little bothered at the fact that, and I know people were telling me, no, that's just all of softball. So I'm like, okay, whatever. The celebrating for every little thing. That's softball, I guess. But can't take away from their greatness. They've won three in a row. They got to Cat Sandracock yesterday late in the game who is done with FSU. I think she probably wraps it up as probably the greatest FSU pitcher softball history. It's a shame she wasn't able to go out on top, but still a good fight for Florida State. They made it to the finals. You know, like they had a great year. I think 
you know, it stings right now, but eventually I think FSU softball. No shame in losing. Fine. No shame in losing. To you that lost team. to like probably the greatest softball team of all time. And I think it is. It makes me very worried knowing that our UCF Knights are going to have to play them next year. Yeah, and they're very they're they're listen they're and our and UCF has a, has a good softball team. Like that's the thing. But compared to Oklahoma, <laughs> wow. I don't. Yeah, I don't think there was any team that had anything to offer. That Oklahoma team that was three for to do this three years in a row. It's just in any sport, it's so difficult to do. I think they're only the second team. I think UCLA did this in '88 to '90 yeah. in softball. They won three in a row. UCLA was actually a team I thought could like you know challenge them because they were really good, and then they got knocked out like immediately in the tournament. Yep. So Oklahoma three in a row, all time team. Unfortunately for Florida State, but still a good season. Yeah, congrats, uh, congrats to both teams. <laughs> I also wanted to bring this up while we were kind of talking college, bouncing around here a little bit with some of the college stories. Uh, Matt Baker wrote an article this morning in the Tampa Bay Times and kind of about the USF stadium situation, um, $340 million on-campus stadium. And he put the payout, what it's expected here. Um, USF is expected to contribute $140 million up front and then $50 million in donations through the USF Foundation, Thirty-one million from the Capital Improvement Trust Fund, and fifty-nine million from the sale of broadband equipment and licenses. And he adds that no public tax, dollar, tax dollars or state funds are included in the proposal. <clears throat> and Matt had some great quotes in here, and it also add to the the financial part of it. The school plans to borrow the remaining two hundred million over twenty years, an expected interest rate of five point five percent, that amounts to an annual debt service of about seventeen. Point eight uh, million, and very interesting. There, only nine schools in the country made larger athletic payments on debt, leases, or rentals last year, according to the Knight Commission of Intercollegiate Athletics. So, a very kind of unique deal, I guess, is what I'll call it here. And he blissed out some of the concerns. One is that USF won't make enough new money to to pull this off, and another one. The projections are intentionally rosy, and then USF continues to struggle with attendance. Those are the concerns here. And he has some quotes in here from some pretty good, some pretty notable sports economic, economic that word always trips me up, man. It does to me too. Economist, I guess. Economist? Economist, there you go. I just, sometimes these words just trip me up, man. It's a, it's a, long, it's a long day. You're good. But here's one, uh, probably the most blunt one right here from the College of Holy Cross economics professor Victor Matheson. I don't know if I'd call it economic malpractice but it's pretty close to it is what they're saying here. So, And then we had the article a couple weeks ago, right, where, and this was going to be expected, a lot of the academic people at USF or, you know, faculty members especially, are pretty against this stadium. They feel the money can be put towards other practices such as uh, improving the campus, some of the buildings that are outdated, things like that. Which I get. <clears throat> I get that. But to me, athletics in the modern era run most of the universities, yeah. and particularly football, right? Oh, we yeah. know this, obviously, at UCF, where football is – I don't think you have to question it. Yeah, football, it's, it's football, king. football is king there. Yeah. There's a priority around it. That's why we have this whole four-phase thing that's going on to make the athletics a lot better. Right. And I always compare the two schools for right or wrong because UCF is where USF really should have been yeah. right now. UCF lapped USF, unfortunately, for Bulls fans, and they have to play catch-up now. And with realignment being all over the place, USF right now, I mean, this is a one-win football team. 
it seems like they're far away from getting into the premier college football kind of landscape at the moment. Mm-hmm. They've got to win football games. They've got to get more interest and support from the students, obviously. Yeah. And from the Tampa region in general. Now, I know it's hard for, for fans to get involved because you have a one-win football team. I understand that. But And, and you have an NFL team. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on here in Tampa, and the Bulls have always kind of taken a back seat. But an on-campus stadium, I can't stress enough how important this is to, the equa- to this equation. Yeah. To have it on campus, it makes it a lot easier to recruit. It makes it a lot easier for students to get to the games, obviously. I mean, when, Raymond James Stadium is like 30 minutes away from, yeah. like from USF That's the campus. other thing. Raymond James Stadium isn't just not on campus. It's like a good bit away. It's a good hike. And for yeah. a college student, it's probably a hike that, you know, given the product they're putting out there, they're like, eh, yeah. do then, I really want to go do that? Right. And it's not just that. Like, imagine what that is for the football team. Like, because I've been to a few games. My last one was the uh, Final War on I-4. Like, what? Like yes, the field has USF colors, but, like, what do you think it means to, the, like, these players, like, walking in, and there's, like, little USF stuff on there. Like, you still have a pirate ship up there. There's still a bunch of bucks. It doesn't stuff. ever feel like a USF It, it doesn't game. feel like that. It, it almost, yeah, it just doesn't feel like your place. Like, I will give those people... The people who run it credit. They have done a lot to try to make it feel like a home atmosphere. Like the touchdown thing when the lights go out, they start showing the green lighting, which is really cool. Like, but they've done all they can done. It just doesn't feel like a home stadium. And I, what that does for you as a fan, and especially what that does for a player, I cannot explain it. It just it sucks. Just having a place that call your call home that like literally has at the very least just has your branding on it would just do a lot for like I think just team morale. Yeah, it just. But again, the financials of this is the whole is the whole kind of trick up here, and which you is know, for everything. There's more in here that um, the stadium must double the team's overall revenue from football if it pays for itself. And I guess in the last fiscal year, the Bulls brought in 18.7 million in football-related revenue. They need that to double for it to end up paying for itself. Now, how likely is that is kind of the big question. With how good they are right now, that's where the problem is. Yeah, so I, I understand a lot of the, the concerns. I just, I think USF right now needs to take risk, and I feel like they have declined to take risk, I guess, and yeah. be aggressive. And if you're going to be a major player in college football, if you want to be, and we've had this discussion a lot, where USF just has not prioritized athletics in the past. It's I mean, all been about the academics, and that's great. I mean, they just recently became an AAU member. Yeah, which good for them. And to be fair, I think most a lot of people will say that is where it should be, and I am – like, you need to pay a lot of academics because you are a university. But also, like, it took them forever to build that, like, uh, indoor practice facility, which, you know, that's kind of a big deal. So, like, if it took you forever to build that – the fact that it's taking you this long to build a stadium, that's uh, that's something that's going to keep that hold you back for a long time. Yeah, I hope they get it done. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I've said this all the time. I might be a UCF grad, but I'm a Tampa resident and yeah. Tampa native first and foremost. And I want USF to take the next step. I really, really do. Like especially now, because like we're going off to the Big Twelve. Who knows the last time we played them? But it's also like you know, like I had fun watching those War on I four rivalries. I miss that. And maybe having an on campus stadium could help them get back to that level someday. So, like, you know what? I'm pulling for you. Yeah. Little brother. (laughs) I don't know. Come at me, comments. Come at me. 
Yeah, we. I'll I'll leave that one alone a little bit. <laughs> yeah, ignore that. I'll leave that I'm one. Not, alone. I, I, I'm okay. not gonna pick. I'm not yeah, gonna pick I'm on not them. I'm not gonna pick on them. I think USF fans have been put yeah, through the I, ringer yeah, enough. You've been put through enough. Honestly, honestly, I I don't. I'm not one of those guys who likes to make fun of USF fans. In all seriousness, I really hope they build this stadium, and I hope they can be up there one day because. I'd like to see the Warren I-4 football rivalry come back. Well, really unfortunately, the, the the college football has just made it to yeah. where it's almost... To, to be fair, yeah, it is going to be a while. It, it's made it impossible like to when, get these when, rivalries to stay. Yeah, when we, uh, you know, have a ch- have some room, I, you know, I'd like to see some competitive rivalries. Yep, so we'll... Because it is fun. It's stressful. Very stressful. It's very it's fun, fun, though. It's very fun, but very fun. who knows? Maybe FAU and USF will become that new rivalry... Uh, and we'll see what happens there. We'll keep updating you on what happens with this USF stadium. I know a lot of people are just like, talk to me when the shovels are in the ground. And I understand. So. I get that too. Uh, we'll see what happens there. We'll take another break. When we come back, uh, we're going to dive a little bit deeper. <clears throat> we don't do much soccer talk typically football. on the JP Peter shows on football. But I think when you have something of this magnitude come up, it becomes part of a larger conversation. We dove into it a little bit two days ago when the preliminary reports were coming through, but now we have the confirmation. Lionel Messi, the greatest player probably of all time, I think that's a, a general consensus at the moment. Very least Matt Rushmore. Is going to be playing four hours away from us here in Tampa down in Fort Lauderdale for Enter Miami, David Beckham's team, the MLS. So we'll dive in a little bit into the financials there, the impact that this has had on the MLS already, and the impact that this could have on American soccer in the future. Stay with us back in just a few minutes. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms, and let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Ladies and gentlemen, are you looking to lose weight or just lean up for bathing suit season where there are so many diets and chiropractors and weight loss clinics out there? You don't know where to start, right? We'll start at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Chris Lugo, PA, and his professional staff will devise a personal plan for you that gets results and will help you keep the weight off. Everybody metabolizes food and supplements differently. Many of these other approaches are designed for the masses. So how's that going to work for you specifically? It's not. Chris will spend one-on-one time with you to find out what works best for you so the weight comes off safely without the use of harmful drugs and side effects. Call 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? 
Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fan Stream Sports. All right, welcome back. On a Friday edition of the JP Peterson Show. JP absent today again at the Mike Evans Charity Golf Tournament over there in River Hills, close to where I live. So Mike over there and crash that later. See what's popping on over there at the Mike Evans the Mike Evans Charity Golf Tournament. JP hoping to get a chance to talk with Mike. You see, he talked to him a little bit earlier, obviously. Uh, Mike kept it, kept it, uh, keeping it kind of tight to the chest there. The quarterback for the Buccaneers will be Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask is what Mike told JP. So standard answer there, obviously, from Mike. Never going to let that one out. But we got plenty of time, as we've been saying. No need to make a, uh, a choice right now who the quarterback is going to be. Let's let this process uh, kind of ride out. But <clears throat> let's transition to another football real quick. Because as I mentioned there before we, before we went to break, The impact that Lionel Messi is going to have on the MLS and I think soccer as a whole in this country. And I think we've taken steps to try and make soccer a bigger deal, right? We've tried. But I think it can only go so far sometimes. Yeah. I really do. And now the World Cup coming here in 2026, this whole Mexico, United States, Canada World Cup is going to be a big deal. And that's why I think the timing of this is really important. This is a chance... You know, we're now, what, three years out from that World Cup? This is a chance to bring around some new interest into this country with soccer. So I think the timing is great right there. I mean, you look at the ticket prices going on right now. If you want to see Lionel Messi play soccer in a game, get ready to take out a loan and dive into your savings a little bit. Because, I mean, there are tickets, I'm not kidding you, 
to go see him play against Atlanta United this season, later on. And there's no guarantee, by the way, he plays in some of these games because yeah. it's going to take him time to get up to speed a little bit and to arrive, obviously, to the United States and get all this finalized. And But there are tickets that are literally going for $10,000 premium seating in it to see him play in Atlanta against Atlanta United. Like, that's Super Bowl-type stuff. Yeah, like you like see, like... For like a while ago, the cheapest ticket for, to a Miami game was like $29. And now the cheapest is like $247. Like, it went up that quickly. Like, apparently they had to, like, put a hold on the tickets because they're like, oh, these tickets are going to be more expensive. we got to stop selling them. They're not sold out. They're just like, we're going to wait, see how much we can get out of this, raise it. And you know the thing is? People will buy them. Because oh, they like, will. Oh, yeah, they're going to buy them. They will. Uh, and it's going to be... It's going to be a crazy atmosphere, I think, at all these stadiums around the country yeah. when Inter Miami's coming in. And just the impact, by the way, he is, I mean, I think he's probably the most well-known athlete. I don't think there's any probably about it. I think he, he is the most well-known athlete across the world. Considering he has the most liked Instagram posts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and the impact right here, by the way, just from a social media standpoint. Social media. Inter Miami is up to 6.8 million followers on instagram and and rising okay they gained like what like five something over five million followers they've gained over five million followers and counting since messi announced that he was coming to enter miami that's a two-day span yeah. five million that's a huge jump they, gained like they 4 have million in 24 hours they have more followers than any nfl nhl mlb or mls team uh on instagram that is crazy Crazy. Yeah. I mean, the shirt sells that this guy is going to do, and Fanatics, by the way, which sucks. This, this, team Fanatic. I'm Team uh, Fanatics sucks uh, always. If you put in a, an order for his jersey, I'm sure you'll get it, you know, by the time they're playing next season. I'm right. sure that's what's going to end up happening, by obviously. By the time he retires. Yeah, by the time he's done playing in the MLS, then you'll get your messy jersey. Yeah. And what will it be worth then? But, yeah. but no, I, it's going to have a huge impact. Obviously, he's going to get a share of the revenue from this whole Apple TV, this two-point-whatever-billion type of deal they have with Apple TV. He's going to get a share of the revenue from Adidas from what he brings in, uh, and, and also the salary, whatever that number is going to be for MLS, the Miami, he's going to pay him. Uh, maybe he's a designated player because MLS has this rule where yeah, you can have two. Yeah, designated player rule. Yeah. Um, yeah, they haven't said anything about that, have they? No, but it seems likely that he might be the designated player. I mean, he should be. It, it makes a lot of sense that that'll be his role, and they have some. They have two other spots, I think, and there's a lot of talk that they're going to bring in some of these other guys that he's played with. Before, um, you know, Sergio Busquets, who my audience is probably not familiar with, but he played with Messi at Barcelona for over a decade, and he's regarded as he was one of the better defensive midfielders. He's uh, he's a little older now, but right. still, it'd be a pretty good, a pretty big coup once again for the MLS. But it's all about Messi, yeah. and I just think that impact that he's going to bring to American soccer, it, it just you can't even describe it. Yeah. You cannot describe it. This is a in all respect to David Beckham when he came here in 2007 that was a really big deal and it put mls on the map and he's one of the most well-known athletes across the world messi i think is still in a different ballpark yeah in terms of like the amount he can give on the field because he can give a lot more like beckham was kind of near the tail that's what i'm saying like beckham at the time like he had already played in his last world cup before he came over we're talking about a guy who is coming off winning the world cup in qatar 
we're talking about a player who just had 20 goals and 20 assists this year playing in top flight soccer over there at PSG and in Europe, Champions League, all those kind of things. We're talking about a guy that like good clubs like Barcelona still wanted and clearly not just for nostalgic reasons. I would know. I would say it right now that if every club on the face of the planet could afford Lionel Messi, they would take him in a heartbeat. In right. a heartbeat, they would do it. Oh, yeah. And he chose Inter-Miami. Yeah. He still chose. He still had years to play in Europe. Yeah. There's no d- doubt about it. I want to give him credit. Like, the reason, like, I don't know if you saw this. Like, the reason he said, because he, he's like, I wanted to go back to Barcelona. But yeah. the reason he did is he's like, if I did, they'd have to cut so many people. And I didn't want to do that to them. Yeah, he's selfless. That's a Very selfless. Because, again, uh, the whole Barcelona financial situation, it's a, it's a mess. It's a mess. It is an absolute mess how much debt that club is in. And just to register players and get them eligible to play last year, after they signed like five or six big guys, it was it was interesting. They they went out. They're in like crazy debt. They don't have much money, but they went and spent all this money anyway. Yeah. yeah. And had to find all these loopholes to get them registered to play in La Liga, and they would have to do the same thing this year again if they were to bring in Messi. And salaries would have to be cut. They'd have to start selling players, just outright cutting players, things yeah. like that. And it was going to be a headache. And Messi didn't want to go through that, obviously. Yeah. And but it's sad though the way it ended there like he didn't get the proper send off I think yeah. from Barcelona that he deserved and right. especially the first time around two years ago how it kind of ended really you know Weirdly. yeah just like he's going to really he's going to PSG oh, okay yeah but so that's I, I think he's going to return to Barcelona one day like I don't know if in uh, European soccer if they do like you know how like what we'll do in a, like with football teams we'll do like the one day contract I don't know if they do that there but I think one at the very least one day he's going to return. And get the recognition, like if, whether it's not as a player or if it's just like he's retired and they're just like, hey, you want to come stand on the sideline and get this huge applause, which yeah. he will get. Yeah, that he will. will happen. I think he already got. He's already getting it right now from Barcelona fans to begin with that are yeah. so appreciative of his time there, and, and he's not even going to play for them at the moment. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think Barcelona fans are mad that he's not going. No, there. they're not. Except for, I mean, some are because you know people are angry about everything nowadays. Well, you shouldn't be. But you shouldn't be like, and, like he gave a good reason. Like that, him not going was the selfish thing, was the selfless thing. If he went there, like that'd be screwed. And like, I mean, that's the one thing could, I want because like we've been talking about like you know what he's done for the Inter Miami off the field. What do you think he can do for them on it? Because we've kind of mentioned this. They are one of the worst teams in the MLS right now. They got a lot of work to do. I will. I will say they are currently. Like deep into a U.S. Open Cup run, which is like besides the MLS Cup is probably the one trophy that every team would want to win because it's the oldest one. Actually, I take, take that back. Concacaf Con- uh, Nations League—that's the one you would want to win because it's not just MLS, but like that's like the oldest tournament in the uh, history of U.S. soccer. They have a chance to win it. Messi will at the very least could play in the semifinals, if not the finals, if they do make it. So we could have a chance to win a title real early. So there is that. But when it ter- comes to like. MLS season, I am really interested to see because I have seen some people being like, you know, it is a team game and they are not the greatest. They're in the middle of a five game losing streak as we speak right right now. Pretty far out from a playoff run. So if he he gets here at some point in the summer or half a season to go. Right. I don't know if they'll make a. Yeah, at that point, depending on how it goes, I don't know if they can make the playoffs with how, like, deep they are. But I will be interested, especially next year, like, how. What can he do for them then? Well, I want to know, and this goes for Inter Miami, but even the rest of the MLS. Now that he's coming over here, that is true. The logical question is: Who's Is this going to is this going to open up the door for other players? And I and I'm not saying the type of guys who are 33, 34. You know, they clearly have lost a step or two. Yeah. Maybe they're not playing as much at their big European clubs, so now they're going to come over to MLS. We've seen that over and over and over. Sometimes it works. 
Sometimes it doesn't. I'd argue recently it hasn't worked out as much for the MLS as they would have hoped. Uh, Inter-Miami has gone down that route as well already, bringing in a Gonzalo Higuain and, and Matuidi, a, a World Cup winner with France in 2018, and both didn't really work out that well. So That whole thing was weird. Cause like, wasn't it like with him, he was, they were like, oh, he's not a designated player, and then it got leaked that he actually was, which means they had too many designated players, which is against the rules. Yeah, that's the other thing that comes in the equation here. Inter-Miami got dinged pretty hard by the MLS for kind of breaking some of these rules, and they ended up with Lionel Messi out of it. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. And also David Beckham, too. I know I mentioned that his impact was great, but it's it's still, I think, an appell in comparison to what Messi does. David Beckham's yeah. impact, though, that not was- only coming over, but... That, part of that deal was he would be able to buy a, an expansion club for $25 billion. Yeah. And he exi- and he picked Inter-Miami as the place to do it, and then he landed Messi. So if you think about it, David Beckham led to him buying Inter-Miami, which led to him buying Lionel Messi. So this is still David Beckham's influence, if yeah. you think about it. Yeah, I was going to say that, because like, he came over in a time where like soccer still wasn't at, like, we always talk about soccer's not at the level it is in Europe, but it's still, like, when you look at where the level of like popularity soccer was like years ago, it was Nowhere near where it is now. I would argue more people in America know who he is because David Beckham came over and, you know, got some interest in soccer. Yeah. I would argue that. And the other thing, too, with Messi coming over is the the South American Cup is in the United States this year. Yeah. So this is also a chance that he he really wants to win that, obviously. He has not retired from international soccer, and that's the most important thing to him, I think, is representing his country of Argentina. Yeah. And he has a chance to win that here on American soil as well. So you're going to get an extended look at him there as well. So it's all around. This is a a slam dunk transaction. And that's what I said. I want to see what other players follow. Can they start yeah. to get the guys who are maybe 27, 28, 29 instead of the 33, 34, and 35-year-olds? Well, you've kind of brought this up. And the other re- – like it is a big deal for the MLS is, like you said, the players they could maybe would want to follow Messi and come over here. Because remember – I don't know if you remember, like, there was a while, like, it was kind of a rumor, and we never knew if it was going to happen, but there was a lot of talks that one day Ronaldo was going to come over to the MLS. Yeah, and the Saudis put it yeah. into that. Like, the, the Saudi were starting to become the thing. They're like, hey, it doesn't matter if you can play or not. If you can make us money, we'll pay them, and they'll, and they'll pay them a lot. So, like, we, you were saying that, like, they're starting to take the MLS thing of, like, this is, these are where these players are going now. Messi coming over here might have just saved them. I will also say the fact that Ronaldo went there and Messi chose to go here, I think he might have. Like, I know we just had that debate about the whole morals thing, but, like, some people just put morals into sports. So I think the fact that Messi came over here, I think for a lot of people, that will, like, put put him over Ronaldo. Well, I've always – the Messi-Ronaldo debate is endless in time. Yeah. It's almost LeBron and Jordan-esque, yeah. honestly. Well, even though for me, I feel like Messi winning the World Cup should have – you it know, did. It did. Now I'm. Ending. I've always been more of a Ronaldo fan because I'm a Man United fan, and you know I got into soccer when I was a kid, and he was playing for Man United, and you know the Glazers owned Man United, so there right. was the connection. So when I was a kid, I just became a fan of both guys, and I followed Ronaldo's career when he went to Madrid, and then Juventus, and obviously when he came back to to Manchester United, and that ended horribly. Um, but it. I think that's the, that's the thing. I've always viewed Ronaldo more of he's all about the image. Yeah. He's the image. I don't know if narcissist is too hard is too harsh of a term to label him, but he yeah. kind of has that like he kind of has that type of aura to him. Where Messi to me has always been about the soccer yeah. and the soccer only, yeah. and he's been concerned about that and winning. Well, yeah, and I think the whole like what we were talking about earlier, the whole like uh, I'm not going to go to Barcelona because it's going to tank this team thing, kind of like pulls into that. He made a decision. He loves Barcelona team. so much yeah. that he wasn't going to do that to them. Yeah. End of story. 
So he's the most selfless, he's most selfless top athlete like that. Really, when you think about it, uh, but it's a win. It's a win for everybody here in the United States, and you know, I just cannot wait to see him. I'm hoping, he, I would love to go see him play against Orlando City later on in the year. But yeah. these tickets, if they got to come down gonna, a little bit, I was gonna get tickets to that for a while ago, back when they were cheap and before he had made an announcement. Yep, that's not happening now. I do not have that kind of money, but I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm interested to see how the attendance goes because. I'm going to start wondering if, like, you know, if it gets really popular, like, people really want to see it, like, the demand really goes up. I wonder if they're going to start going to, like, some of these NFL stadiums being like, hey, can we play here just so we can have some extra fans in the stands? Well, I, I, like, when he plays against Atlanta United and they play in Mercedes-Benz yeah. well, where the Falcons will, play. Yeah, well, that one's easy. Like, that will, they'll just open up the upper deck. No, I mean, they'll put 60,000-plus in there. Yeah, but, like, you know, for some other themes, like, you know, like, Orlando, if he goes to Orlando, maybe they'll be like, hey, you know what, why don't we go over to the uh, Citrus Bowl where they used to play? Oh, please. Let me, I don't need to see any more events in there. Uh, <laughs> I don't uh, need to see any more events in the Citrus Bowl, please. Well, the Jaguars might be coming there, so uh, that might not be happening. Oh, but. my goodness. Well, there you go. Friday edition of the JP Show. Thank you, Nick, for coming on. Thank you for having me. Threw you into the fire today. We threw you into the fire today. I lived. So, I had fun. I'm hope cool. you had fun. Hope you enjoyed it. Glad to have you here. Hope you continue to be an asset for the show. We definitely appreciate it. And we appreciate everybody listening. I think we had a really good week of shows. Yeah. Really love what we did this week from a content standpoint. So continue to check us out on our official YouTube page at the J.P. Peterson Show on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Apple, and Spotify. You can catch us there. And, of course, the FanStream Sports app. Um, you can listen to that during the show. You can listen to it anytime throughout the day on a loop. So continue to check us out, retweet our stuff, like our stuff.